0: About 10 of us, but I have been so blessed. It's so hard to keep moving. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Y'all are awesome. So if you, I just, I really don't want to go anywhere. I mean, like, I was to my, I have been totally blessed today already. And so if you were blessed this morning in worship, if God set you free, delivered you, did something, met you, or just wave at me. Wave at me. Do you, are you want to testify? Veronica, you come see. Anybody else? Brian, come here. Yeah. Your name's Brian. Robin, you too. You keep waving at me. Come on up here. Ow. I might need some help, though. Rich, can you come help? I don't want Michael uh, hurting his back. Just in case. Robin, tell me how you would blast this morning. We well, you know, you're always telling me about that onion and the layers of onions. I felt another layer of onion came off today yeah. in worship. Then I closed my eyes because I've had this word over me for a couple years is magnificent metamorphosis. I closed my eyes and I saw the time that I was a butterfly and I was getting ready to fly off. Then I realized I've been coming here for almost nine months. And what happens in nine months? Birthday. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Hi. (laughs) Um, So lately when I've been, you know, worshiping or praying or whatever, I've had like a hundred things going on in my mind. Like my mind just does not stop. And so it was just really awesome to just lay down and have God just minister to me and my mind just stop. That is awesome. Thank you, Lord. You know, the funny thing is, that he did the same thing to me this morning. I was, some at some point in worship, I was like, oh, this is about the time where you start speaking to me about what's next. So I'm like, okay, God, so what's next? What do you want to do? And I, you know, so then I start thinking about all the different aspects and like what he's been showing me in service. And then it was just like this, like this overwhelming sense of his glory that it doesn't matter what's next. Heather, stop. It was so nice. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just receive. Thank you, Jesus. Brian, what, what happened with you this morning? I got up. Uh, Well lately I've been going through some stuff and uh, I knew where to turn but I guess I forgot how to make that turn. And so it's like it's like one battle after another. I was trying to like a dingbat. I forget. But it's like okay how can I handle this? Then I remember oh I can't. I need God. (laughs) But it's just day after day and I hope I'm not the only one, but it's like you forget all the time. And then the Holy Spirit comes. It's like, uh, hello. (laughs) But it's like, that's just the start. And so it's like, it's amazing. Why don't you lift your hands right where you are, Brian? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That even when we forget how to turn, You're the one turning us. You're the one keeping us. We thank you, Jesus, for your hand upon Brian and his family. We thank you, Father, for your glory being revealed. And we just say, come, Lord, once again, once more, touched, touched from heaven. Creative. Creative minds, we thank you, Father. Even now, he's putting creativity in you for that situation. Creativity, the creativeness of heaven to solve a natural problem. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Rich and Brandon. Amen. He's faithful. That's what we, we forget sometimes in the middle of worship and, and prayer and all the stuff happening. We forget that he's meeting each one of us. That's the amazing thing about coming to church that's really not a country club, about a feel-good time. It's about an individual appointment with the King of Kings. That he has got something specific every single day for you and I. Every day. I don't have to be the same. I don't have to be sad. I don't, I don't have to. I don't just, I just get to be with him. It's like, you know, this great adventure where you wake up and it's like, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me today? And it's the most glorious ride of our lives. Amen? Well, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. Aren't you all excited? 523 today. Don't worry, I'm going to tackle it from a different angle today. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify. Everybody say "Sanctify." sanctify. Sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the word sanctify. I love the word cleansing. I love the fact that he calls us to be holy as he's holy. Because it's the reality of a life that you and I can't live on our own. It's the reality of a life that every day I need the precious blood of the lamb to come and sanctify me that, Lord, no, I'm not perfect. Oh, but you are. That I'm not enough, but you are that I don't know how, but you do so I can call upon you every day in every area of my life to come and make me whole. And so, you know, y'all know me. We talk a whole lot about body. We talk a whole lot about our spirit, man. But today I want to talk about our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions being sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. Because you see, there's some things in this world I just can't change. I just can't make myself, come on, decide that I'm not going to feel a certain way some days, right? But I can begin to acknowledge what is the Spirit of God in me versus what is myself. And then self, how do I align with the Word of God? Because Scripture tells me that the God of peace, not the God of chaos, but the God of peace himself... He does a sanctifying work in me, and that includes my mind, will, and emotions. Come on, all the men in the house say hallelujah. There's help for her. I got to meet with someone this past week as a teenager, and I said, Welcome to being a woman. We are the weirdest creatures out there. We are so weird. But thank you that he created us this way with all the depths of who we are. And he knows us inside and out. And we can be made whole in him. But we have to begin to not be fearful of ourselves and to not be that stubborn of this is just the way that I am. Right? And begin to whether we're male or female, say, Lord, sanctify me. Help me to identify. Help me to understand how you created me that I would glorify you with all that I am. And so um, we're going to start off taking a look at the mind. And and, uh, what the world says is Colossians 121. It says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. You see, it, it, we, the devil, the enemy, the prince of darkness has blinded our eyes and our minds in this world, right? And so prior to Christ, we have a thwarted view. We have a wicked mind, a wicked view of life and all that's within it. But once he comes, Once he comes and delivers and sets us free by his precious blood, all of a sudden our mind can be transformed from the wicked ways into the things of this world. And you're like, what are you talking about, lady? Look, I know all of our kids are precious, but we're born into depravity, right? We're born into depravity. So one of the most precious gifts that we get to do is to disciple all these babies and see how just selfish and wicked their little minds are. <laughs> and not because they're horrible, but because we were born into depravity. Are you following? I mean, what's the first thing? Mine, 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 mine. Hey, Zoe, do you want something to drink? Mine, mom. Me, me. Jonathan, me, me. Dude, I already gave you a drink. But because I'm acknowledging someone else, it's all about me, me, me. Right? Right? So there was this time, there was this little 12-year-old girl. And when I grew up in the church, when I tell you she was the youngest of four, one of the most precious little individuals you would ever see. I mean, that little girl was a doll. And she started youth group. And, you know, um, she was so excited following her older siblings' footsteps. And she would tell all of her friends at school about church and youth group, right? And we had a huge youth group, about 100, 120 kids every week. And um, some of her friends from school started coming. And one of her friends got really connected. And so you'd think she would be excited, right? Well, one day she comes early to cafe to help me. And she's like, Pastor Heather. And look, this little sweetheart totally thought I was going to be on her side. She said, you know how so-and-so has been coming? Yeah. Well, you know, she's getting really involved. Yeah, isn't it awesome? Well, I mean, it is, but she's my school friend. And then I have my church friends, and she's starting to be friends with my church friends. And so when I get invited to stuff, and she's already invited, I don't want her there. And so inside I start laughing because I'm like, oh, sweetheart, to have these problems. And so, you know, you keep listening, and and she's thinking, I'm going to say, well, just call it quits. You know, let her be school and your church be church. And so what does the Lord have me do but begin to identify with this precious girl that that is sin in her heart? Uh Uh-oh. You told a 12-year-old she was sinning in her heart? (laughs) Yup. Because her mind was going towards the selfish, wicked way, right? And she was looking at it wrong. And so when no one had ever called, I didn't know that no one had ever called her out on sin because she was the cutest little church girl you ever did see. And so she was like, what? And I realized, oh, I'm going to have to go tell mommy and daddy what I did. (laughs) But it was awesome because she wrapped her mind around it and replaced the lies of the enemy with the truth of the gospel. And both of these precious girls are in ministry today, probably eight or nine years later as a result, right, of this little girl being able to invite her friend to church and then get her mind right. If that happens at 12, how much more to all of us, right? 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, but we have the mind of Christ. Everybody say, but I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. One of our greatest enemies is ourself. And we let the avenues and the highways in our mind take control when we should have done, did, cut them off before we even got on the interstate. Right? But we have to remind ourselves, I have the mind of Christ. I don't have to think this way anymore. I am regenerated by the blood of the Lamb. I have become a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. I am not negative Nelly anymore. I am not worrisome walrus anymore. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. Right? Just like we lay hands on our bellies and we say, filled with the Holy Ghost. Jonathan loves for me to do that to him. We lay hands on our heads and we begin to prophesy, I have the mind of Christ. Ephesians 4.22 says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed. Everybody say renewed. Renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. Transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You know, the world hurts. The world stinks. The world will, will brainwash your kids and your, yourself in all sorts of junk. But in Christ, I can have my mind renewed. I can have my mind transformed. All I've got to do is step into the very presence of God. All I've got to do is replace the lies with the truth of the gospel of Jesus. It's not something I can make myself do. It's something I begin to step into, that I begin to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that I begin to wash, take a bath. Everybody say, take a bath. Take a bath in the word of the Lord and begin to renew my mind in Christ Jesus. Well, how do I do that? This morning was a perfect example. There were more people up front Getting set free than there were in their pews. Being renewed in his presence. Being washed in him. You ever not felt like going to Bible study? Not felt like going to church? The world was just hard and heavy. And then all of a sudden you go and you're like, bam, what was wrong with me? This is exactly where I needed to be. This is exactly what I needed. The washing and the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 1 Samuel 3.21. Oh, I love this one. It says that the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh. How? By the word of the Lord. Church, he reveals himself in those pages. He reveals himself in the Word. He is the Word. He is the Word. And he reveals himself By the word, through the word, in the word, for the word, right? And so when we open our Bibles, let me encourage you. Yes, we're going to be washed. We're going to be transformed. We're going to be renewed in the word. But it's not by the head knowledge alone. Right? It is, it is because the Word of God is a living because Jesus has risen from the dead and He is the Word. It's living, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword piercing between bone and marrow. He jumps out of those pages and transforms. You know, Ray coming to class, he could have come to class to get head knowledge and head knowledge alone and analytically, analytically challenged everything that was said. But he didn't. He came and he opened up his mind and he opened up his heart. He goes home and he opens up the Bible. He opens up those pages. And all of a sudden, the living God jumped out of those pages at him and revealed himself. We want our minds renewed. We go to the word and we expect it to become alive, living. That is exactly how he revealed himself to Samuel. He's in the temple, and he's sleeping, and he keeps hearing his name being called, and he thinks it's the priest calling him. But it wasn't the priest, was it? It was God himself. You'll be listening to a sermon. You'll be listening to a podcast. You'll be in a Bible study, and all of a sudden, you think it's that person speaking, but it's not. It's God speaking through them for you. The living word coming and washing second corinthians three eighteen says but we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the spirit Hebrews 4:12 here for the word of God is living it's powerful it's sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart Look if we behold him in scripture first 2 Corinthians 3 if we behold him in scripture we become like him But if I am day after day looking sorry I'm not going to throw the mic if I'm just looking in the mirror at my problem, if I'm just looking on Facebook at the person that's irritating me and I keep checking their status, what are they saying? Are they talking about me? I'm going to become more livid and more sick in the head, right? Because all of a sudden I'm becoming twisted and warped and a lie. But if I'm beholding Jesus, then it doesn't matter what my friend is or isn't saying on Facebook. Come on. It doesn't matter what the family member text or didn't text, right? It doesn't matter whether the person at school likes me or doesn't like me because all of a sudden in the presence of Almighty God I'm being transformed from one degree of glory to the next looking more like Jesus. And if I'm looking more like Jesus, then I must be being transformed from the inside out, metamorphosized from the inside out. That he's changing my view, my view of self, my view of others, my view of him, my view of the world. He's changing my perception. You see, once once upon a time, this guy that worked for me when I had moved to New Orleans and um, he was on staff and he was one of the leaders of the church and he's in ministry today and I'll never forget, he's such a leader of leaders and so he asked this girl that works with us if she would come with him to my apartment. He had to ask me something. So, you know, here he comes, and he's probably 10, 12 years younger than me, and here he comes about this tall, though, right? He's, he's, he, him and Michael, you know, you will just have a date there. And so he comes, and you know, this big guy. He comes to my house, and he's like, I, I just have a question for you, Heather. Who do you see yourself as in six months? And, um... You know, and I was like, all of this for one question you could have just asked me over the phone. (laughs) But it was serious to him. And I knew that God was meeting him and speaking. At that point, especially at that point in my life, but it was a great lesson for me. I said, dude, I really don't know. At this point, it doesn't matter. One thing I do know is in six months, I don't want to look anything like I look today. In six months, I want to know that I know that I know that I've been with him and that I've been changed. And that's been a resounding desire that he's placed in me all the days of my Christianity. And so I can look back 19 years and say that I keep being changed, that my view keeps being changed, that, that my heart keeps being changed because I'm being transformed into his image. You see, I don't want to become one of those cranky, crusty old Christians that becomes bitter and angry and mad and just self-centered and like Job of the Hut. Well, there they go again. No. But if I'm not allowing the word of God to jump out and change me, and metamorphosize me every day in every way, and, and Jesus kissed me from those pages. That I'm gonna become that cranky, crusty job of the hut. I don't think that's an abundant life. The abundant life is a transforming adventure. Amen? ding a ding a ding a ding a ding. Let's go to that quote, Kristen, the first quote by Andrew Murray. It says, The Word of God is living and active. At times it may appear as if the Word affects so little. The Word is like a seed. Everything depends on the treatment it receives. Some receive the Word with the understanding. There it cannot be quickened. The Word is meant for the heart, the will, and the affections. The Word must be submitted to, hallelujah, must be lived, must be acted out. When this is done, it will manifest its living, quickening power. It is not we who have to make the Word alive. When in faith, in the life and power there is in the Word, the heart yields itself in humble submission an honest desire to its action, it will prove itself to be life and power. So Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you come, you come by your power and you transform our minds. You take the, the warped things of this world and you renew it. You transform it by the washing of the word of God making us into your image, transforming us into the mind of Christ. Lord, I thank you today that people are beginning to take authority over their mind, even now. Even now, beginning to understand that we don't have to live in the crevices of self and depression and depravity, but we can begin to put on the mind of Christ. We can choose to allow the Word to become active in us, that we submit to the Word and put into action that which you have promised. I thank you that you're setting people free even now from depression, even now from suicidal thoughts, not by power, not by might, but by your Spirit, setting the captives free. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We're going to take a look at the will in Matthew twenty-six thirty-nine. And it says that Jesus went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Have you guys ever been in that situation where you are faced with something way bigger than yourself? And you know God's got you right smack in the middle of it. But you're like, come on, Jesus. Do I really got to do this? I'll never forget I was born again maybe a year, and um, I know this is a sensitive topic, and I thank you that y'all all know my heart, and at the, at the time, I had a large or several staff members underneath me that were um, living a homosexual lifestyle, and we, I accepted them, they accepted me, they watched me getting born again, they watched me getting transformed, and lo and behold, I didn't know that some of them got highly offended with me because I was still, I was still loving them, right? I, wasn't cha- I was still being their friend. I wasn't changing that. And I didn't know that they got offended with me. Well, one day, at this time I was 20, 21 years old, and I'm running the number one store across the company, across the country. And um, I get a call from home office. I get a call the same day from my district manager. What are you doing? What have you done? I can't believe this. You're lucky you're you. you should be fired. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, they, 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 some of the staff and their friends had made formal complaints about me. to home office written and phone calls, and my job was on the line. And they told me, the only reason why you aren't fired already is because of who you are. And so I don't know what you've been doing, but you better shut up and back up and lay low till we decide what to do with you. Well, I'm devastated. I'm like, what do you mean you made a formal complaint about me? Aren't I nice? and Don't I love you? and Haven't I accepted you? So I'm all upset. So thankfully, I've always loved submission and authority. So I call my Bible study leaders and said, hey, I need your help. So they called all the Bible study. These were like people that could be my parents, and so they called all the Bible study, and everybody's going to be in my house that night. So I tell the story, and all my friends are like, "You're going to this, and you're going to that, and you're going to tell them people, and you're going to show them." And then the Bible study leader said, uh, 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 "That's not how we act, Heather. Why'd you call us?" I said, "Well, do you know what I'm supposed to do? What does God want me to do? I don't, I've never been in this situation." The old Heather would have just told everybody off. And so they said, this is the counsel of the Lord. So they have me write a letter to the owner of the company. And it's a long letter. It's depicting the whole situation, sharing my heart, sharing what God's done and asking him for grace and mercy and and asking him for guidance. And then... I'm supposed to, now this was still back in the day where you fax stuff. I'm supposed to fax it over the next morning while I'm at work. Well, that was all nice when it was my Bible study, friends. And I was on cloud nine until I wrote the letter. Right? (laughs) Then it became real. And then you got to work where you had to send the letter. And not 20 minutes later, the call came through from the owner. And you're like, I don't want to answer, 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 I don't want to answer. answer." Not my will, Lord, but yours. Why? Thanks be unto the Lord. I had smart Bible study leaders, leaders of wisdom and mercy that helped. I saw God in them. And my will that day became bent to the will of God's. I was scared. y'all. I was scared. I was a young kid who was successful in life, who had messed things up, and by the grace of God, he found me. And I all of a sudden, had things going for me, and it could have all fallen apart. But in that moment, I learned about submitting my will to the Father's, and that he'll have me walk through things that I never imagined I could walk through. But the point is that he walks with me. That he's in the fiery furnace with us. And that his will is greater than our will could ever be. That we may never understand, but that we'll see his glory in the midst of it. He's bigger than what we see. So much bigger than what we see. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. If you'll seek him, he puts the desire in us for more. He puts the desire in us and then not only puts the desire, but he gives us the will to accomplish it. It doesn't look the way we think it's going to look. Hey, start this ministry. Hey, apply for this job. Hey, call this person. But then he'll give you the ability to do it. You know, back in the day, it can be as simple as, Lord, I need a friend. You remember I was dealing drugs. I, 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 all my friends partied with me. Then I get born again. I'm in the church, and I'm loud, and I'm Cajun. And I, I'm in this Baptist church where there's no women in leadership, and I am afraid that if anyone talks to me, they will run the other way. She was a bad girl. I mean, my self-esteem was about this much. And so I prayed for a year. Lord, can I just have a friend? I used to have a lot of friends, and they just, we're not friends anymore because I don't give them drugs free. So I need a friend. And I prayed, I just want a friend. And then one day, he put the desire. And then one day, here comes Dream of Joe from Virginia Beach. Heather! 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 And she looked like, you know, she's straight out of a Banana Republic ad. She was so cute. Heather, Heather, do you want to go have lunch tomorrow? And I thought, oh my God, oh my God, why is she talking like that? But he gives us the will and the do. And to this day, she's my best friend. I didn't know how to be friends with someone in the church, I was scared. To death, if you knew me, you would see me and would hate me. But God knew. And I, I, he, I shook in my boots going to that lunch. I shook in my boots every time she called me because we didn't text back then. I shook in my boots constantly. But, but his, my will yielded to his will. He kept pushing me and kept pushing me and taught me what it was to have a friend in Christ. Taught me what it was to love others as we want ourselves to be loved. And in return, I didn't know what she was facing. And and all of a sudden, she was able to face me and, and befriend and love me in ways that I needed. Walking with Christ isn't always the big sign in lights. It can be as simple as, Lord, I need a friend. But he'll put the desire in us and then give us the ability. What's he speaking to you? Psalms 34, 7 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of our heart. Not because all of a sudden it's the Lamborghini, but because all of a sudden when I'm delighting in him, his desires become my desires. His will becomes my will. And all of a sudden I find myself walking in the fullness of who he is. Psalms 119, 105 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. As I am seeking him, as I'm desiring him, all of a sudden my will, all of who I am, becomes illuminated by the word of God. And I begin to follow the path that he set before me. Not my will, but yours. For some of us here, we just need to start in Proverbs. Start reading a proverb a day. And all of a sudden, our character will be transformed and begin to look like Jesus. All of a sudden, I don't have to fight to be right. Because as, as I'm reading in Proverbs, I'm learning what godly character looks like. I'm learning that, wow, that attitude hadn't been quite right. Not growing up in a spirit-filled element, I didn't know that... that that a contentious wife was a bad thing. And I can remember, this years before I read, I met, ever met Zach and reading about how horrible, and I'm like, well, what's that mean? And as I'm looking it up, it's this loud and nagging and demanding woman. I'm like, oh, I thought that was good. You get what I'm saying? But, but as we read Scripture and we see Christ, our will begins to change. Oh, you mean it's not about me and everything that I want? No, silly goose. Hebrews twelve two says, Looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, giving him undivided attention, looking away from all distractions in order to fix one's gaze on the object. What's the one object, the focus of our life that despite all the circumstances that come has our focus? We're going to go on and skip that next quote, Kristen. We're going to go on to (coughs) our emotions. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ, everybody say, controls controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all and therefore all has died. Amen. Hebrews 9:14 How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What does all this mean? That when we're in Christ, his love begins to overwhelm us. His love begins to take control when we're found in Christ, the Holy Spirit's even able to sprinkle the blood of Jesus over our emotions, and they no longer have to control us. But now, as it's been sprinkled with the blood, I'm controlled by who? Christ Himself. What does that mean? That means that very memory, that very emotion, that very thing that, that, that um, what's that word called, that uh, paralyzes you. That very controlling fear thing that paralyzes you from acting in love was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. And that if we will just allow the Holy Ghost to come. Now, pastor, what does that mean? That means when I'm in worship, when I'm in prayer, when I'm in the Word of God, and all of a sudden that memory keeps coming back, and you're thinking, well, that's just the flesh. I'm trying to concentrate on Jesus. That is not the flesh! That is the Holy Ghost bringing to your remembrance something that no longer belongs to you because it was bought and paid for by the Son. That very memory that torments and controls and paralyzes was paid for by the blood of the Lamb and no longer has to control us. But what happens is, one, we think, well, that's the flash. No, sweetie, you're just learning how to flow in the Holy Ghost. Or two, uh-uh, don't touch my junk, God. I'm not going there with you. I don't want that layer coming today. But instead, we just say, okay, that hurts. Ouch. God, I hated that moment. I hated it with everything in me. I never felt so little I never felt so betrayed. But I thank you that it no longer has to have a hold on me. I thank you, Jesus, that, that, that you died to defeat that life. You died to defeat that moment. And it no longer defines me. God, I give you that day. I give you that day and everything it's done in me. Come. Come and wash me. And as we yield to the Holy Ghost in that, he takes the blood and he sprinkles it over that memory, over those emotions, and it no longer can control us because it's covered by him. That's yielding our emotions to him, understanding what all he's paid for. Because what we don't understand, you start thinking back about your childhood, your kid's childhood, those defining moments, those moments that, that gripped us for the good and those moments that gripped us for the bad. They begin to shape us, right? They begin to mold us. And as we go on in life and more and more stuff happens, I mean, my husband always says, you spend the first 18 years learning how to live and you spend the rest of your life undoing the first 18 years. Come on. If we just yield to the Holy Ghost, it would no longer have a hold on us. No longer trapped. No longer got the claws in there. No, you don't define me. That old girl died the day Jesus came in. The old things have gone away, and behold, all things have become new in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. You don't get to control me. My will is yielded to His will, and it's not about proving myself anymore. I don't got to do it. He's justified me because He chose me, because He sanctifies me. Because he sets me free. And so now I'm going to allow the Holy Ghost to take my emotions and begin to align them with the Word of God. You know, the, the first time I shared a message like this was at a women's uh, conference. And uh, me and it was Zach and I were dating. Oh, Lord. We had just gotten together. That was a whole experience. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. And the Lord showed me, he said, you're ready to date him when you're not controlled by your feelings for him, but you're controlled by the Holy Ghost. I'm what do you mean by that? Of course I am. I'm a woman of God. No. When you get mad, do you come to me or do you call him first? Not my will, Jesus, but yours. Not mine, but yours. You, see, you get what I'm saying. We take the things of God and make them so super spiritual that we forget that they're meant for the everyday in our life. Right? And thanks be unto the Lord that he taught me that lesson before he allowed us to get together. That our, Could y'all imagine? That'd be horrible trying to run a church and run a family and the woman's emotions get to just be wherever they want to be. That'd be great. No. No. He wouldn't be glorified in that. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Ben, y'all can go ahead and start coming up. John Piper's definition of love is this, that the overflow of joy in God meets the needs of others. That means that my love for God that there is such joy found in it, that there's an overflow springing up and welling up in me, that that love in me all of a sudden meets the needs of others. And all of a sudden, I'm not emotionally driven about self, 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 but I'm so consumed with love that it's overflowing, meeting the needs of those around me. You ever found yourself feeling like you're in an absolute broken, destitute situation, but you're so enamored with God, with Christ himself, that you find yourself doing for other people and forgetting that you even had a problem? That's the love of God controlling us. That's the love of God overpowering, becoming our all in all. Augustine said this, Lord, command what you will but give what you command. Lord, you can tell me to do anything, but just allow it to be. Provide for that which you have spoken. Jeremiah 6.14 says you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. you can't heal a wound by saying it thank you for joining the celebration podcast for more information visit ccakron.org or call us at 330-762-7458 you can also download the celebration app from iTunes or the Android store with my father is so wonderful.